0: Well, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Thursday, the 24th day of September, 2015. And today, we are reading from the big book. We are going to be reading from the forward to the second edition on page XV, and we will be starting it today. And today's readers are the 12 steps, Layla M., the 12 traditions, Joanne L., and then Deb W., and Larry K. And the share, the share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, the 23rd day of, of hmm, September, is 8018, 8018, OA oh, Preamble. or religious doctrine we take no position on outside issues this meeting's primary purpose is to abstain to recover from compulsive overeating and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer our sole purpose always fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Layla M. to read the 12 steps for us.
1: Good morning, Monica. Thank you for your service. My name is Layla M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. 12 steps. One. taught through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service I pass. past.
0: Thank you, Leela M. I will now ask Joanne L. to read the 12 Traditions.
2: Good morning. Thank you, Monica, for your service. The 12 Traditions of OA, this is Joanne L., a recovered compulsive overeater in New Jersey. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. To any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA as such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Pass. Thank you,
0: Joanne L. How our meeting works. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted and today we are resuming our study of the big book and we will be beginning the forward to the second edition edition on xv and I will ask Deb W to and we are reading two paragraphs and we'll be commenting on both paragraphs and I will ask Deb W to begin reading for us please. Star one to unmute Deb. I was reading Monica.
3: (laughs) I know, I do it too. Okay, <laughs> this is Deb, Deb, Recovered covered in uh, Oklahoma. <clears throat> Since the original foreword to this book was written in 1939, a wholesale miracle has taken place. Our earliest printing voiced the hope that every alcoholic who journeys will find the fellowship <clears throat> of Alcoholics Anonymous at his destination. Already continues the early text, twos and threes and fives, of us have sprung up in other communities. Sixteen years have uh, elapsed between our first printing of this book and the presentation in 1955 of our second edition. In that brief space, Alcoholics Anonymous has mushroomed into nearly 6,000 groups whose membership is far above 150,000 recovered alcoholics. Groups are to be found in each of the United States, and all of the provinces of Canada. AA has flourishing communities in the British Isles, the Scandinavian countries, South Africa, South America, Mexico, Alaska, Australia, and Hawaii. All told, promising beginnings have been made in some 50 foreign countries and U.S. possessions. Some are just now taking shape in Asia. Many of our friends encourage us by saying this is but a beginning, only the augury of a much larger future ahead. And so my notes that I have on this page say the second edition is telling us uh, how the AA developed. Um, And uh, since the writing of the text, it looks like uh, lots of groups have, uh, you know, started. Um, It says it's a wholesale miracle, and my notes say that It's like a bulk miracle, like so many people have taken advantage of this. It's just like taken off. Uh, and the, and the, I think one of the reasons, just like all of us who are sitting on the line, is that we, we need hope. And this is hope that people on the line, like on the line, are expressing it worked for them and, that, and it will work for you. And the success, like I said before, is this text, is because of the uh, book that, you know, that you didn't have to be right there with the person who, um, you know, discovered it. You could have the book. You can get well with just the text. Um, a little bit down in the paragraph, it says 150,000 recovered. And what uh, it recovered, the notes I have are restored, renewed rehabilitated lives is what they have found from this, uh, this book and this program and working this debt. And uh, further down in the paragraph, but a beginning, only the augury of a much larger future ahead. And augury means the foretelling, the sign. And, and we, we today are able to witness just how this inspired book has just taken off. Is just taken off, and all lines of, you know, all lines of uh, addictions uh, have based their recovery on this beginning, this book. And that's why, you know, the wonderful thing about having this text is we don't have to, you know, we can go straight to the horse's mouth. We can go straight to and do exactly what it says and get exactly what it says they got. And so with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Deb W.
0: And who would like to share on these two paragraphs? Nessa Melanie. R. Hold on. I heard two of you at the same time. Can you say it again? Nessa R. Nessa R. Okay. No, Melanie C. Melanie? Mo- Melissa C. Melissa. Okay, let's start with that. Nessa
4: R., Melanie C., and Melissa C. Nessa, you're up. Hi, good morning. My name is Nessa R., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, The amazing growth um, is as a result of the fact that this has been a wholesale miracle. Um, This book has managed to do... What could not have been done without it, which is help um, addicts recover. And the reason it, it, you know, it grew. The the you know the, it was published again, and so many books were sold, and the fellowship continued to grow, uh, not only within the United States but worldwide. Um, and as we'll see later, you know, different countries and the translations into different languages, etc is because it works, because when something doesn't work, it it, it fades away and disappears, sometimes slowly, sometimes not so slowly, but, you know, we've seen so many of the fat diets go by the wayside, and the reason why not all the weight loss schemes disappear is because not everybody is a compulsive overeater, and not everybody needs to go to the length that this book requires in order to, to achieve recovery, but... If a person be a compulsive overeater, then, um, you know, all those things are not going to work. But here is something that tells me, you know, I have something that works for you. I have something that works for you. And the proof is in the, you know, no pun intended, the pudding, you know, that, you know, this has grown tremendously with so many people who actually have recovered not who are recovering or who are in the process, people who have actually achieved the promises and are living examples, you know, and we see it in the rooms, we see it in our sponsors, we hear it on this line. Um, And so it it becomes like the best promotion, you know, the the sheer growth of the the movement, the um, wide and broad dissemination of this book it works, and it fills me up with hope. You know, I guess my only regret is that I didn't come into contact long before to avoid decades and decades of personal suffering and suffering that I inflicted upon my my very dear loved ones through my compulsive overeater, uh, through my compulsive overeating, uh, because I was trying all those fat diets and all those things that don't work on compulsive overeaters like me. Uh,
5: with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Nessa R. Melanie C., you're up, and then it'll be Melissa C.
5: Hi. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Oregon this morning. Figures given in this forward describe the fellowship as it was in 1955. Figures, and I have my notation here. Pay attention to the numbers because it shows us facts about its worth, I have read this many, many times over, but there was a point in my study some years back that I really started paying attention to this particular page and the numbers because it spoke to me deeply and differently. I asked myself the question, how in the world in 1939 to 1955, 16 years later, that this many folks, 6,000 groups, 150,000 recovered people, would have gotten this message in those years where travel was a little bit different then, it was certainly getting more progressive, but you know, it almost needed to be promoted. They had this book going around for sure, but how in the world did they get it in the hands of people? Folks had to be doing their job, had to be getting out there actively, passionately sharing the miracle that happened to them and other folks being so convinced grabbed a hold of this deal and started moving with it, you know, because think about it. Alaska and Hawaii hadn't even been incorporated yet. They hadn't even been incorporated until nineteen fifty nine. Folks were traveling to those places, getting word back to Akron and to New York City um word that things were happening. They the the office, the head office was really involved with getting correspondence, a, a primary part of their their interaction was handwriting letters to people. How are things going? They didn't call much to Hawaii. I can't imagine to find out how the groups were doing. their back and forth. Folks were really invested in this avocation to get this word out because it worked for them and they knew that they were seemingly hopeless and something something transpired. These numbers scream big, huge information in terms of, of how I look at this. and I um, I, I took it to heart and really studied these moments, these times, and this idea and thought about the individual people and what it was that they were doing and how convicted they were to get this out. And then that was able to trans, uh, transfer to me into to being able to do the same thing. With the technology that we have today, my goodness, it flows so easily. And here we are just on the cusp of having this convention going on with 500 people coming to spread it in a huge tremendous way that has never been done before again, another time in which something of a wholesale miracle could happen for us too as compulsive overeaters. Thanks. I pass.
0: Thank you, Melanie C. Melissa C., you're up.
6: Hi. Good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm amazed at, at the growth. You know, that it's in the first forward, it's uh, hundreds recovered people, and now it's, you know, hundreds of
7: thousands.
6: And, and then fast forward, you know, to now, and, um, you know, not only does this way of life work for alcoholics, but it works for compulsive overeaters like myself and other afflictions and addictions. And, you know, it, it's like when... Um, when it's aligned with my higher power, it just comes easily. It seems to all fit into place, and that's sort of how I feel about you know um, this recovery. That um, of course it blossomed and you know and and like wildfire spread because it works and it's aligned with God and, and um, you know and I love that it keeps saying recovered. You know, like that was the part. That drew me in to the big book and um, and to this group that studied the big book because I had not heard recovered before, you know, and yet it's written in the book, but somehow it missed my it missed my radar. And here I, you know, again and again recovered, recovered, and um, you know I'm just I'm so grateful that I today I'm recovered and I know I'm recovered because you know I was able to fast yesterday for my holiday and. The night before, I had a passing thought that I could eat something extra at dinner to sort of make up for what I was going to be missing. And, um, you know, and I recoiled from that like a hot flame. And then moments later, my phone rang. Someone from the fellowship, and, um, you know, and I laughed. Um, Here I am. You know, that thought still exists because I'm not cured. But I'm recovered, so I have you know other alternatives besides than to just act on that crazy thought. And um, you know, and then last night I was able to end my fast with an abstinent meal, not overeating, just eating. And today life continues as you know just the same. And um, thank you with that, up down.
0: Thank you, Melissa C. And who else would like to comment on these two paragraphs?
8: Janice M. Mm-hmm. Chris W. <laughs> Rick K.
0: Oh uh, yeah, okay, we're gonna have to start over. I got Janice M and I got Sarah W. and I got Rick K and I know I missed somebody. Kim Maybe. G? Kim, that's right. You were after after Janice, Kim G. Okay, who else? I I don't know if it was Janice M or Chrissy M. Uh I got Janice M. Is this Chrissy M? Are you Chrissy M?
9: Yes, I am. I'm Chrissy M.
0: Okay. (laughs) All right. Here's the order. Janice M., Kim G., Sarah W., Rick K., and Chrissy M. All right, Janice, you're up.
8: Well, thank you, Monica. Good job. (laughs) Um, Yes, my name is Janice M. I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Okay, I heard so much, you know, and it's, um, it starts out since the original. That means the original text. So we're talking about this book. This is where the hope starts. Well, the hope started with Bill. Bill being recovered, and that's why it's wholesale. Why? Why do we come to, you know, this particular group has grown, Vision for You. Why? Well, because of, of recovered compulsive overeaters that the problem has been solved for one day you know they used to lock these people up alcoholics but the word got around through the book that you know the uh, uh, people were getting recovered that dr silky um you know talked about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind this is the solution the obsession of my of the mind of wanting certain trigger foods for me was, is wiped out for one day, one day only. So there's two reasons why this mushroomed and uh, wholesale miracle is because people were recovered from the disease for one day, and families were reunited. Now, when it says wholesale miracle, well, a miracle is something that is supernatural, because I've you know i I've been searching and searching and searching for the solution, and right. I didn't, and I didn't come here um,
0: yeah. <laughs> um sorry, somebody is not muted, please, everyone, if you're not speaking right now, please mute your phone, okay, Janice, go ahead
8: yes, thank you monica you know i I didn't come here to find a God in my life, a higher power, um, but you know, I didn't come looking for him but something was happening to me when i was in implementing these steps something totally uh, unaware of but i knew it was different and that's supernatural you see i had i, I could feel the strength i could feel the power that, that i can't explain so those are the two reasons for the growth you know there there wasn't people weren't going out and from promoting but it was the attraction the attraction that, gee, you know what, the hope that if she can do this, this happened to her, um, then it can happen to me. So it's the most important thing is, yeah, what's attractive is that there's a way out. That's the attraction, not how I look, not how I am. It's the attraction that this is how I was, this is how I am today, and I would highly recommend us to go to the website, and you can hear you can hear from recovered compulsive overeaters how the change happened in their life from what they were, from what they are today. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Janice M. Kim G., you're up, and then it'll be Sarah
10: W. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. In that brief space, Alcoholics Anonymous has mushroomed into nearly 6,000 groups whose membership is far Above 150,000 recovered alcoholics. Mushrooms. I mean, in, in 16 years, they went from the first 100 to 150,000 recovered people. And I just want you to know how much I love Overeaters Anonymous, how much I love this fellowship. And I'm a little nervous about the share, but I love this fellowship and it's hip enough to talk about this. You know, has our fellowship mushroomed like this? Is this what we're experiencing in Overeaters Anonymous? You know, just to give you some statistics, in 1990, when they did a census, Overears Anonymous included 150,000 members. It was the same year that our OA 12 and 12 was, uh, was uh, published. And I love the OA 12 and 12. It's a lot of good information, but it's not directions. It's the same way the AA 12 and 12. is a lot of good information, but there's no directions. And we started to focus on OA material, and we got away from the big book, And in 2010, we had another census, and we had 50,000 members. So in a 10-year period, we lost two-thirds of our members. You know, I came in in 1994, and there was a meeting on Friday night that had 100 people in it. That meeting now has less than 10. In 2013, we did a census, and the average meeting of Overears Anonymous is nine people, nine people. You know, as, of a, as someone who had to look at my life and what was going on, I had to do an inventory. And I love this fellowship enough that I think we need to do an inventory ourselves. There are now 17 food fellowships, and that means there are 16 more besides us. What is dividing us? What is dividing us? Why aren't we united on this message of recovery? You know, and to use an example with a vision for you. We started with 40 or 50 people three years ago. We now average 300 people live, and we um, have a meeting list of 1,500 people on it, and we average thousands of hits a day on our website. Why is that? Is there a magical format to to vision for you? Absolutely not. It's because we're based in the directions in the big book, and people are getting recovered. People are getting recovered. That is how we're going to mushroom. We need to focus on the solution and getting recovered and carrying that message. Because as I read this, I want this sentence to be the reality of Overeaters Anonymous in 16 years. And how can that happen is each of us understand the best thing that we can do with our fellowship. If we love the, you guys love the fellowship the way I do, the best thing you can do today is recover, recover, and recover. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kim G. Sarah W., you're up, and then it'll be Rick K.
7: Good morning, Monica. Thank you for your service today, Sarah W., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Reader. Really enjoying the sharing this morning, and I guess the thought that comes into my mind um, uh, as far as what we've read is that um, the hope is that every alcoholic that journeys will find the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous at his destination. And, you know... um, I I really believe that, you know, we don't know what's best for anybody. All we can do is share our own experience, Um, and as it says in the the end of the third edition, it talks about the idea that, um, you know, recovery happens when one alcoholic talks to another, and I believe that's true, and for me, um, you know, I was um, really hopeless in in my uh, addictions and in my um, behaviors and in my life and, and, and felt very helpless. And, um, you know, divine intervention comes about sometimes when you get into the rooms you know uh who would who would know that um you know you come in because you know you 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 know the food has gotten to the place where you you've made it into a higher power and you can't stop and and if you stop, you can't stay stopped and um you know the idea of a new way of life comes about um uh, through the through working the steps. And I've had uh, many, uh, you know, I I don't believe that recovery is linear. I I really believe that there's lots of bumps in the road, that we learn lots of different things. And, you know, I don't recommend a relapse, but, you know, for me, I don't think I would have come, you know, coming to the place where I am now unless I had that because I needed that um, ego deflation that happened. And also, I, I wanted to uh, focus in on uh, many of our friends encourage us by saying that this is but a beginning. And I think that, um, you know, there is a new beginning that is occurring in us. It, it really makes me sad that there's so many different fac- factions of our program uh, that, Uh, You know, and there's uh, some negating of each of those by different factions, which is sad to me because we're all under the umbrella of Overeaters Anonymous. And as was stated, you know, we're all in this together, and how can we make it better? Um, And, you know, that's why I walked away from religion in all honesty because I felt like it was an us and them. And what I love about Overeaters Anonymous is we're here to help each other. And um, you know, I, I love the idea of we meet people where where they're at. And I have to say that that is really my my um, my what's inside of me now. What I really believe that you know, I don't know who I'm going to help, and I don't know who's going to help me. And to just keep open to that, and I'm so grateful for. A vision for you, but a vision for you is a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. It is not another sect of Overeaters Anonymous. It is a meeting that's an Overeaters Anonymous meeting that that is Big Book uh, focused. And I so appreciate all those that started it, that pioneered it, and I believe that that is really the, the healthy, the healthy way. But there are other meetings that are healthy also. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Sarah W. Rick
11: K., you're up, and then it'll be Chrissy M. Hi, this is Rick K, a, uh, a actually recovering compulsive overeater, that's what I call myself anyway, from Miami. And it's great to be here this morning. And, and I'm absolutely just always, always amazed uh, that, that two drunks could get together in 1935, and, and by their meeting it could lead to the publication of this incredible book. Which um, and I, and I always I, I always share this this incredible book that I believe is divinely inspired and that has never lied to me and that I've never found anything uh, in to be untruthful. So what I wanted to talk about a little bit was uh, that last line that it was only the augury of a much larger future ahead. You know, could these two guys, when they got together to talk about their drinking, have possibly imagined? that that it was going to result, even today, I just heard that there are 15 uh, eating disorder groups, which I assume it's 15 12-step groups. And I saw something, uh, an article the other day that said there are 35 or 40 12-step type programs, which have all come out of this. It's just incredible. So I was looking at the, um, there's appendix number five, the religious view on AA, and there's a line in it from uh, Dr. Harry Emerson Fostick uh, that says, there are doors of opportunity ahead of this project which may surpass our capacities to imagine. And, you know, could they have imagined back then what, what was happening today, what was going to happen today? It's just such an incredible opportunity that I get to be exposed to a solution to take care of a highly significant and life-threatening problem that I have through the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous, uh, which has its genesis in the mothership that we're reading today. Um, I couldn't be more grateful and for this opportunity. I couldn't be more grateful that I get to join. You know, I, you know when I hear people talk about, well, there's a problem with the program and there's this or there's that... I never have anything but complete hope. When I hear somebody share their success, I join with them in their success. And when I hear somebody share about a problem, I join with them and understand their problem uh, because we have this commonality, not only of a fellowship that involves a disease process, but a fellowship that involves a common solution. Uh, And we all get to join together today. And it's a beautiful thing, and with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Rick. Okay. Chrissy M, you're up.
9: Hi, I'm Chrissy M, recovered compulsive over and anorexic from New Jersey. Um, when I this this um reading just made me think about I have the opportunity to to go to a lot of different 12 step meetings and um different different aspects of my disease and and be in recovery for a few. And so it's just like I, I have the opportunity to see the 12 steps working in so many people's lives in so many different ways. And the, the point of the whole program is, is from what I read, from what I understand from the reading and what's been taught to me is to get a higher power to live life on a spiritual basis. So I've, I've been given new eyes to see that recovery happening in people's lives in all in all different capacities. Not not really to compartmentalize um, how people are living this program. You know, whether it's for food or it's for alcohol or it's for drugs or sex or or codependency, whatever it is. But to have the fellowship that I crave, like it says, I have that fellowship. With anyone who's working these steps in their lives, it doesn't matter what problem they're working on. So, so for me, it feels like the the part of the the prayer that we say in in, in another meeting, um, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I that's what that feels like for me when I'm in a meeting or when I'm. Going down the road, and I see bumper stickers that say "Friend a Bill" on the back, or "Easy Does It," or you know, any 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 sign in the world that that this fellowship, that the 12 steps are spreading, and that people are living on a spiritual basis. That it gives me it gives me such a feeling of connectedness, and and I know that for every person who's in recovery is spreading that to their families. Because I teach my kids how to process their emotions with uh, doing inventories and you know we we just spread this and it's just a, a beautiful way to live. That's all I have thanks.
0: Thank you, Chrissy Ann. With that, we are going to move on to the next paragraph and I will ask Larry Kay, could you please read for us?
12: Thanks. Uh, thanks Monica for your service. Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. The spark that was to flare into the first AA group was struck at Akron, Ohio in June 1935 during a talk between a New York stockbroker and an Akron physician. 6 months earlier, the broker had been relieved of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience. Following a meeting with an alcoholic friend who had been in contact with the Oxford groups of the day of that day, he had also been greatly helped by the late Dr. William D. Silkworth, a New York specialist in alcoholism who is now accounted no less than a medical saint by AA members and whose story of the early days of our society appears in the next pages. From this doctor, the broker had learned the grave nature of alcoholism. Though he could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford groups, he was convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personality defects. Restitution to those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief in and dependence upon God. Okay, so um, uh, the uh, you know so much here, <laughs> and, and, and so here you know was a seemingly uh, chance encounter, this divine spark where Bill and Dr. Bob met in Akron, you know, one alcoholic carrying the message of hope to another alcoholic you know just like we do today and that's what started this thing in 1935 and it talks about you know what happened 6 months prior to that you know uh ebby of course ebby thatcher carried the message to bill and uh you know the the oxford group um you know was uh was a was a christian ministry at the time that espoused surrendering to a higher power among you know other principles and you know bill had his spiritual experience while being treated at Towns Hospital in New York, and, and he was relieved of his drink obsession. I mean, how miraculous. And you know, who was Dr. Silkworth? Well, Dr. William Duncan Silkworth. Uh, he served uh, as a chief uh, physician at Towns Hospital in New York, and, and he made some indispensable contributions to our society. You know, among those, uh, he was convinced of the grave nature of our disease, and grave, you know, means, means death, means deadly. And you know he by insight and and and, uh, and I choose to believe by divine intervention, you know Dr. Silkworth understood that no amount of medical training alone you know he he couldn't help these these people afflicted with this disease of recovery, and so we'll read later on uh about the twofold nature of our disease and uh uh it's really important um you know for me, I know that um you know, uh, others will talk in more specifics about all that's, that's in this paragraph. But I want to share that, you know, I overlooked all the forwards because I was a corner cutter. <laughs> you know, I was, uh, uh, you know, I, I I got the big book and, and I skipped over all this stuff the first time around. And that was a mistake. And that's okay. That's the trajectory that I was on. But uh, it was a mistake because there was no way that I could. Begin to understand how this worked if I didn't understand where we started from and all we're we're, we're learning about here there was no way it was impossible for me maybe you could do it but but I certainly couldn't and so I tried to go about doing it Larry's way and you know what Larry's way I'll tell you what it resulted in tell you what it didn't result in it didn't result in a spiritual awakening and I continued to be enslaved by the food day after day after day and I wondered why in the heck why me why are all you getting it and not me? But, see, then I learned that I had to follow the 12 steps, and I had to learn just what we're learning now. And thank God for that. I'm, I'm a walking, breathing, living person who has, uh, you know, has been given this, this wholesale miracle. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Charles H. from New
13: York.
0: Thank you, Larry Kay. Charles, I got you. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Sally. Sally. Reva P. Reva P. Ronnie P. Ronnie P. Okay. Let's go for that with that for now. Uh Charles H and then Sally. Thank you, Sally. Mo-
13: Thank you, kindly. Uh, good morning, Charles H recovered visionary dress today. And I want to jump down the throat of both of those passages this morning. Um first I want you know, <laughs> Yeah, how can I how can I bear fruit if I'm not willing to plant seeds? And in the second meeting yesterday, the second hour was such a great question. Um, you know, and what I took from it is, you know what? Yes, the rate, the, the 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 recovery rates are low. So what I learned, um, in the big book and the program of action during my three minute shares in those two percent success rate meetings. When you talk about the cat and everything else, except for the program of action, I can talk about the big book in in in, in a loving way, because if I for if I try to force the big book that big book numbers are not attractive when they try to force the big book down anybody's throat. Hello, sir. So, and then I want to talk about Doctor um, Doctor um, Silkworth. To me, he's a medical saint today, and I thank him because it says that the stockbroker Bill W learned much from him, he learned the grave nature of this, this illness. How many know if you don't know what you're up against? How are, you going, how are you going to digest the solution, right? All I want to do is digest more binge food. So I want to binge. I want to encourage a retread, a newcomer, somebody that think they can't get it, that, was, that as hopeless as Bill W. was, you can read his story when we get there, or you can read it today, that we can recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Right, Just because you're at goal weight don't mean you are you got a goal mind <laughs> without the program of action. And with that, I'm going to shut up. Thanks.
14: Thanks,
0: Charles. Sally, you're up,
14: and then it'll be Reva P. Thanks, Monica. Good morning, A Vision for You. at Sally A. in South Jersey. A wonderful paragraph, and there's so much to be unpacked. Um, but it's just a wonderful uh, brief synopsis of the history And I love the way it starts with the spark that is going to lead to a bonfire that's going to begin. Um, But they take us back six months before they look at that bonfire that's going to be lit with the spark. And they take us back and they give us this little tiny synopsis here. And at the top of page XVI, it starts with the following a meeting with an alcoholic friend, Eddie, of course, um, who's going to bring him the. Who's going to talk to him about the spiritual aspect of the illness. And then he talks about the fact that he had also um, had the other puzzle piece brought to him by Dr. William Silkworth. So he understands the body, um, the aspect of his body, and he understands the, um, the spiritual and the mental aspect of this disease that's going to be treated with the 12 steps which Ebby basically brings to him these 12-step concepts through the tenets. goes on to tell us, though he could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford group, and the tenets are found on page 263 in this book, um, he, he now goes on to, show, to talk about the – and I love this paragraph because he's really highlighting the body and the mind. So he tells us he was convinced of the need for moral inventory – so it's step four and five. He knows that he has to take a look at the marbles that are rolling around in his head that are making him sick, the things that are creating so much of the um, – I, I look at it like they're marbles that have been like – a bag of marbles that have been dumped onto a desktop, and that's the desktop of our mind. We have to take a look at that. The confession of personal defects, bringing those uh, – these marbles, and and finally, you know, you're only a secret, your secret's laying them all out in front of someone else who really is a witness because we're laying them out before God who already knows anyway. And then we have a sponsor who who acts as a witness. Restitution to, to those harms, eight and nine, helpfulness to others, step 12, and the necessity of belief in and dependence upon God, which is steps one through three. And step eleven. And when I look at step one through three and eleven, when I see step one, I I say to myself, what do I admit? I admit that I need help, that I can't do this. Number two, that I came to believe, that I'm willing to believe, as we see in this book over and over, page forty six and forty seven, in the middle of the page, talks about a willingness to believe, and step three, making a decision to do something something, anything different, because what I was doing wasn't working before. I'm so grateful to be here, and thanks for letting me share that I pass.
0: Thank you, Sally A. Reva P., you're up, and then
15: it'll be Leia. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Thank you so much to everybody who shared. Um, What I want to share on today is how, you know, at first... I'm given the statistics um, and the hope to see how uh, this uh, thing has grown um, exponentially. And as I'm reading or listening to this paragraph, um, I'm reminded that, you know, before I came into this program, I was so busy controlling my food and controlling every aspect of my life and everybody else's around me. Um, And... The way this whole thing has evolved is totally 180 degrees opposite. And it's just evidence of what works and how it works. Because the way God works is he doesn't sit down, you know, uh build it and sit down and write a 10-year plan that by 1955 we're going to achieve this business goal and by, you know, 19-whatever we're going to have that goal. It was totally the opposite. It started with a spark, with one man's experience and then, you know, one alcoholic talking to another, which is an amazing reminder for me that on a daily basis, I, you know, am hardwired to want to run the show. And thank you, God, um, by working these steps as laid out in this book, um, I am reminded throughout the day, the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, that that doesn't work. Um, and it goes so beyond the food. Um, and, you know, when chance things happen in my life, um, or I can't see how things in my life are going to come together, this is also a sign on a personal level to have the hope that God has an ulterior plan. And I cannot fathom. And Bill couldn't have fathomed how he was going to meet up with this and this and this doctor and how it would all come together to help millions of people around the world. And I don't need to know that. I just have to do my step work, trust God, and follow guidance on a day-by-day basis, and things unfold. And that's how miracles happen. Um, And I never get those results By running the show or controlling the food, and that's it. And I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Leah
0: M. You're up, and then it'll be Lonnie P. Thank you so much, Monica.
16: The spark that was to flare during a talk between a New York stockbroker and an Akron physician. You know, that was obviously Bill W. talking to Dr. Bob, and he had a message of depth and weight to carry. He was um, able, you know, as the big book talks about, he was able to, uh, you know, win the entire confidence of Dr. Bob within a few hours because he was properly armed with the facts about himself. What are the facts about himself? Well, you know, Bill W, in conjunction with uh, sharing his story, um, you know, was able to articulate, talk about the grave nature of the illness, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind, and Bill W was living proof that some power greater than human power had revolutionized his life, had driven out the obsession of the mind had restored him to sanity, and had made him useful. And that's what we who are recovered offer today when we talk to the newcomers or when we uh, are committed to showing up at our face-to-face meeting or committed to showing up here. We are living proof that some power greater than human power has transformed our lives. And whether the newcomer likes it or not, uh, likes the spiritual aspect or not, likes the uh, new. That we have to separate from our binge foods and go through these steps in proper sequence. Uh, whether the newcomer likes that or not is beside the point. Uh, we are living proof of that, um, just like. You know, Abby was living proof for Bill W., and Bill W. was living proof for Dr. Bob, and that's what we offer today. And, you know, it is an unusual, you know, unfortunately, unusual type of focus that we have here, whether it's a vision for you, which is nothing special, we're an Overeaters Anonymous meeting, or a local strong meeting that you might have, uh, there is a particular focus. You know, if you want to hear about my 12 kids and uh, what business my husband. Been runs, you know. You can call me after the meeting, but when we are in a meeting, we are focused. Why are we focused? We're sp- focused because we're charged with a responsibility, and the responsibility is not to talk about, uh, you know, my various stressors during the day. My responsibility is to carry a very specific message. That someone cracked open this text, brought this black print on white pages in a big in a blue book t- to life for me um because he had been restored to sanity i implemented those same steps under his guidance uh according to these clear-cut directions, and I, too, had a spiritual awakening, and I, too, uh, have had my, the obsession of the mind driven out. And I'm nothing special, and this same program of recovery will work for you. That's the whole point. We've been restored to sanity. We have soundness of mind. We've been relieved of the obsession of compulsive overeat. We walk this planet, a free man, a free woman, and now it's time to give back. <laughs> and we give by, by staying focused and offering the same message. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. and Lonnie P. You'll be our
0: last share. Go ahead.
17: Okay. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Ronnie P., recovered compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. Um, it's going to be hard to follow Leah because I think I was going to say so much <laughs> of what she just <clears throat> excuse me of what she just said, but I'll give it a shot. Um, when I first came in these rooms, you know, a hundred years ago, we would use the big book and we would read it, and we would just substitute the word food for alcohol or you know, sugar or flour for specific kinds of alcohol, and um, it really spoke to me. You know, there was a there was a rigor there that just cut through all of the kind of softball, um, self-helpy stuff um, that had no lasting power that I had tried before, and I tried everything. And um, I remember when I was so excited you know, word came that OA was going to come out with its own big book, and I naively thought that they were just going to take the big book, reprint it exactly, except replace the word alcohol with food or other things with different references. In other words, I thought it would just make it more convenient to read the big book and not have to mentally change the words, and I remember being so shocked and so disappointed and sad when the uh, when the books came out, and they were nothing like um, the big book. And um, you know, I hesitate in a way to take an inventory of the people who work so hard to do that. Except in retrospect, and I realize now that what I think I think OA has really dwindled in the last years because we tried to make it we tried to find an easier, softer way. And we wanted it to be an easier, softer way to recover. And I think we saw newcomers come in and we saw just the on their faces when they heard the word God, or they heard they'd have to put down certain foods. And speaking for me, but I think for a lot of compulsive overeaters, we're a really codependent lot, and we wanted to make it easier and say, okay, well maybe let's say it a different way. And so then everyone felt a little better, but then everyone got fatter, and then the numbers dwindled, and the recovery went out the window. And um, So I, just listening to this, and I know I've said this before on the line, I am unbelievably grateful for this meeting and the fact that it's growing so much just tells me how much there is a hunger for something that actually really works, for something that is rigorous because that's what, look, this is a bad, bad illness. You know, you don't fight a terrible infection, you know, with a little more chicken soup. You get an antibiotic already, you know, you get to the doctor, you get a shot. Um, This is serious, it's not going to be helped with chicken soup. It's much bigger. And um, and when the rigor leaves the program, we get sicker. And that is so sad. Um, and I, I do know that I began really drifting away from the meetings when they just became these self-help things. And it just seemed like a, I, I, I wasn't wise enough to know what was missing, but I sensed what was missing. And then. Because I'm so codependent, I would sort of go in that direction, like, okay, I guess this is what we are now, you know. For a while, I went uh, to AA meetings. Hi. Thank you. Um, I'll share this another time. Thank you so much for your service. i pass. Thank,
0: Thank you, Ronnie. And- Ronnie, and Ronnie P. <laughs> I messed up on that one.
17: Okay, thank you, everyone.
0: We've come to the end of our time this morning. Thank you to everyone who has shared. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Rachel N.M., and can you read for us, please, from a vision
18: for you? Yes, good morning. This is Rachel N.M. I'm a thankful, recovered, compulsive reader, and anorexic. Our book is meant to be suggestive only.